This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey, this is Sandra McCracken, and you're listening to Steadfast, a podcast where I sit down with friends, mentors, and people I admire, and we talk about how God's steadfast love has shown up in every season of our lives. On today's show, my guest is Liz Weiss, and she comes in from New York, and we are sitting down today in Nashville, Tennessee. It is a privilege to sit in the same room and to chat about all kinds of things. She has a new record that she's working on. Her first project came out of Portland, Oregon a few years ago. It's called There's a Light, and it has been deeply impacting to me and to many others. One of the things I love about it is the way it blends gospel, folk, and faith conversations. It it just brings all kinds of people together. So I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. Pull up a chair and join us. You and I were in Vermont a few months Mm -hmm. ago doing a songwriting retreat and thinking about what it is to literally lay under the stars Mm -hmm. and take the pressure off of productivity. Like, we're here to write, but we're here just to sort of be here. And it was amazing. And so I agree. I was like, I think there's a nourishment to that. But can you talk about the interplay between that and then being kind of plopped out on the middle of a stage in front of people with a microphone? What are the similarities and differences of that experience? I've only been doing it for three and a half years. I mean, I've loved music since I was a kid, but it was never something that, oh, because I can do a backflip, I guess I'll join the circus. (laughs) It's like, I love music, (laughs) but I don't want people to know this secret about me. And the Lord is like, boop, put you on a stage. And I'm like, but God, I'm always a total wreck before I start a show. Like Like stage fright? Stage fright. Yeah. And my friend who sometimes gets to come on the road with me. I call her my road manager, even though I don't pay her all the time, or (laughs) I pay her very little. She's like, you always get so quiet before you play. It's so funny. And when I tell people that I'm nervous, they don't believe me. They're like, "Mm, she's just trying to be humble. I'm like, actually, (laughs) I'm questioning, why do I do this to myself? But when you just ask me that question, about the difference between being on stage and being in the woods, the first thought that came to me was when the wife of a friend who died of a brain tumor asked me to sing by his side as he passed away. And it felt like an outer body experience Mm -hmm. where it was one of the saddest scenes I'd ever seen. This man is laying in bed. His children are at his feet playing the ukulele, singing these songs to him. His wife is curled up near his head and kissing him, it's okay, you can go, you can go. The pauses between his breaths are getting longer and Mm. longer. And every pause, a friend says a psalm or reads a Proverbs out loud. And I'm singing these old hymns, hoping that I can memorize the words because this is what they asked me to do. And I just wanted to run But that idea of I don't have a say in how God decides to use my gift. And sometimes that is in the woods. And sometimes it's on stage 
where I come off stage and someone says, you almost made me believe in Jesus. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's in this in-between where you feel like you're in the woods and you want to cry and that's on the inside. And then you're kind of on stage, but in a very intimate setting where you're singing someone from this world into the next. Mm -hmm. And then they're just gone. It feels so unreal and so uncomfortable, but it feels more unreal. Like even when making the second record, I listen back at the songs and I'm like, wait, I sang that? That's my voice? Mm -hmm. And I don't say this to be humble, like, oh my gosh, I did not know I could sing that way. (laughs) It really is a... I know what you mean. I never, ever saw myself Uh, doing this. And I remember there's only one show that I'd ever cried before. And that was the first time I played the Blues Festival in Portland. And it was probably my fifth show ever. To go from film school after dealing with ill health and not thinking you would live past 21. And then you get a kidney transplant and you're like, okay, I guess this is the bonus life, but I'm really angry at you, God. Why did you let me go through that? I was ready to just see you and be done. And you're like, nope, not done yet. So now I have to rewrite my future in crayon on paper because I had this future before me and then it kind of vanished over the three and a half years of being sick. And now I have to reimagine the future, but I'm just trying to live for today. And then I go to film school and I work in production for years. And then I felt this tug to sing on the worship team, even though I hated singing in front of people, but the tug wouldn't go away. So I was like, I'll just sing harmonies. (laughs) And then a friend's like, will you lead this song? No, but my mouth said yes. And I sing this song and people are like, where where did that... do you have a record? When did that, where did that come from? I'm like, I have no idea. You guys vanished and I was in an empty room and I was singing to God. (laughs) And when I sang at the Blues Fest, I cried because I was so nervous. And Um, then I just- Before you walked on stage? Oh my gosh. Before I went to the festival, Mm -hmm. I was in my living room and I just felt these words of, I just want you to sing for them. (laughs) I don't want you to save them. Yeah. I just want you to sing for them. And then when I had to decide if I wanted management, it wasn't God saying, do this mm-hmm. or don't do this. It was what's naturally unfolding and do you trust me? And I'm mm-hmm. like, dang it. Do I trust you? I don't know if I always trust you, but mm-hmm. I want to live like I do. When I hear your story, there's something almost kind of reversed mm-hmm. where I realize that there is so much implicit Like I can witness God's steadfastness in your life, but the feature of it that I observe is more an element of surprise rather than this element of like always the same. It's almost the exact opposite, Mm -hmm. and yet that is the constant. Mm -hmm. The evidence that God is showing up is the fact that He continues to surprise you. Mm -hmm. But there's an interplay there because you're also the kind of person that is saying yes to that. Mm -hmm. And that's a significant feature of who you are. And then it's showing up in all these ways. And we over here get to, on the other side of, like if you're on stage or on the the other side of the room today or on the other side of a phone line, I feel like I can see it every time Mm -hmm. and experience it every time that it's like, oh, I have no idea what God is doing, but he's (laughs) here with us, you know, and he's here with you. And Mm -hmm. It seems like most of the touring you've done, like a lot of it has been festivals, probably meeting new audiences and kind of being in front of big crowds Mm -hmm. that are coming from all sorts of backgrounds, 
uh, you've been described as like, what is it, like neo-gospel mm-hmm. style-wise, mm-hmm. although kind of hard to describe style-wise mm-hmm. in the first record. And I'm excited to see where the new one goes too. But that's an unusual thing to see as an artist that can kind of speak plainly about your faith, mm-hmm. but in a way that causes people that hear your music to feel the curiosity, like they're out, they feel comfortable. They feel mm-hmm. hus- like there is hospitality that says, hey, come as you are. Mm-hmm. And then to say, I almost believed in Jesus when mm-hmm. I heard you singing. Has that always been the case? Like since you started? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, you don't hi- you don't pull back from like, this is no. who I am as a... Yeah. <laughs> because that's the one thing is like, look, I don't read the Bible as much as I probably quote unquote should. I know, but what does that even mean? I exactly. Mean- <laughs> I have no idea. But I know that the Lord has opened doors where Christians are not always invited or they would never be willing to step into out of fear of association. Mm -hmm. I was asked to play a venue in Portland in like the heart of prostitution area and sex trafficking. And this place sometimes doubles as a strip club. They have naked karaoke Mm -hmm. or karaoke from hell. I mean, it literally says karaoke from hell. And I remember when they first asked me to sing my record there, I thought, there's no way I can tell Christians. <laughs> what was that phone call like or that request? Well, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to bring the gospel into this <laughs> dirty place. And then I thought, I'm going to bring the gospel into this. Who am I to think that I could bring the gospel into this dirty place <laughs> in this dirty area? And I remember I was too scared to tell people at my church because I think a lot of times we're so afraid of association. If I'm seen with that person, people might think that I live that lifestyle or that I agree with that lifestyle where Jesus was called drunk and demonic, a hypocrite, crazy. He didn't care. And so I remember finally telling people that I was playing at this place. And then two people got into a Facebook argument of I would never step foot into that place. And then someone else was like, I'm happy that she's singing in this place. And I remember going to the venue and you see like sparkly underwear hanging from somewhere in the basement and it's kind of sleazy. And if you go up the wrong door, it's like live nude show. And these people from like different shelters that are faith-based shelters took an hour off of work in the night to come and watch me sing, to pray over me while I sang over these people. And I remember just thinking, these are the people who Jesus loves. Like I've been invited to come into this place and I don't know how long I'm gonna get away with this. I'm singing about Jesus. And maybe people think, oh, it's so nostalgic and it's vintage and she's a black woman so she can sing about the gospel. And I'm thinking, okay, how do I keep getting invited to these places? But let me take advantage of it until I'm found out. And there are people who listen to the record and they're like, it bothers me that it talks about Jesus, but there's something nostalgic and familiar about it. So I want to invite you to sing at this venue. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And I've had Christians come up to me and they're like, do you know what you just sang in this place? I'm like, yes, I do. Mm. I've never heard anyone sing about Jesus in this place before. I'm like, I never thought I'd be invited to sing in this particular venue either.
we're here in Nashville for mm-hmm. this conversation. I, when I first moved here, I remember the palpable feeling of the Bible Belt. I grew up in St. Louis, so mm-hmm. there weren't the same assumptions about, mm-hmm. you know, if you go to church on Sunday or anything about what's beneath that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something here that is different. You're now in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And then you were in Portland before that. Do you think those invitations are different in the different places of the country or in places in the world? Or is it sort of the same division regardless of where you are? I mean, Portland, <laughs> I've had articles written in some of the local newspapers. If you can make it in Portland singing about Jesus, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. And I remember reading that and that little blurb was like, Jesus's name was mentioned yeah. in this particular newspaper that talks about all kinds yeah. of hedonistic things. But as I've sang in these places, I've realized that it's not about us versus them. It's about a we. And some of us just need to be reminded that we have this spirit in us. Now I live in Brooklyn, and that's when I thought, surely music will end. My pianist lives in L.A., It's really hard to keep drummers. Mm -hmm. There are 9 million people in New York City. Probably 7,500 of those people are musicians. (laughs) What do I have to add to this scene? There are people who went to Juilliard and Berkeley and like the best of the best schools. You see homeless people just shredding on electric guitar and singing. And I, who, I feel like I have nothing to add to this. And I did a So Far Sounds show. And then they were like, man, if you come back, we'd love to book you again. I'm like, oh, I live here. They're like, that's awesome. And they forget. <laughs> and then one of the people who works for So Far, she's like, I know this might sound crazy, but I know you're from Portland. And I was listening to this podcast called Dear Sugar. And I was wondering, is that you singing the intro to that podcast? And I'm like, yes. That is me. Well, if you ever come through to New York, we'd love to have you again. And I said, I live here. So they invited me to an intimate show of 75 people, no PA. And I don't go out and choose the best of the best players to show off. I choose a guy who works at a studio who presses record and he loves to mix. And he says he hasn't played live in years. And I'm like, but I believe that you're really good. And if you don't want to press record for the rest of your life, would you play with me? And then I have another friend who's working on a record. And I love the way her voice sounds. Nobody really knows her as a musician, except for the people in her immediate life. And I said, would you be willing to sing with me? And so we go in there, these kids that go to church (laughs) together, and we just sing these songs. And I make the audience stand up. And I'm like, you guys are going to sing this part. You guys are going to sing this. Oh, and put your arms around each other because this isn't an us versus them. We are all in this together. And it was incredible. When did you learn to collaborate or have you always loved to collaborate? I really love people. I feel like people have this idea of who I am when they meet me. Oh, you're independent. You're super strong and you don't need anyone to help you. So I'm never (laughs) going to check in on you or assume that you're lonely or assume that you need my help or my voice. I'm like, look, I just, I don't know where you're getting these assumptions, but I'm actually really tired and I need yeah. help. Yeah. And so I invite people in who really actually want to be a part of this. I just really want to get to a place, and I practice this by reminding myself and saying it out loud, that I've invited to the table, sit down and eat 
And there are other people who are better than me, but comparison is a killer. (laughs) And I just said yes. Mm -hmm. And God asked me to do this, and so I'm just going to show up. It's hard inviting other people into that because it's such a vulnerable thing. Well, what if this crumbles? Then Mm -hmm. I'll be a fool Mm -hmm. saying I trusted God in this. And if you don't show up, I'm going to look like an idiot. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We we were talking before we hit record um, about the Jonah story. Have you ever had a situation where you said no and where you went the other way and then got called back or spit out on the shore? Man, I mean, and I have to have a hard conversation with someone and I avoid it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I Are could you, talk about this stuff all the time because I'm like, right before I close my eyes to go to bed, I'm like, <laughs> how tall was Jesus? Good night. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, as much as I don't understand that being will nudge, will nudge. <laughs> it's gentleness, hey, isn't it? Go talk to that person. <laughs> hey, you need to quit this job. Mm-hmm. Hey, you need to fire these people. Yeah, You got to let them go. Why? Why do I have to do this? <laughs> I had one of those this morning. I woke up yesterday. I spent a few minutes with my kids on the way to school and the reading in this little book that was the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And it was like the older version of the language, mm-hmm. which for an eight and 10-year-old, they they don't know these. Like, they don't know what covet means. These aren't words that they use. I'm like, do we even know it's what so, that means? <laughs> I don't know. But then, and I thought like, oh, man. And then I, as we started talking about it, and I asked them like, which one of them stands out with you? And what resonates with you? And because we sort of talk like that about things. And we had a little conversation yesterday. So anyway, this morning, I had the nudge as I was waking up, like, You need to talk to him again about it. Bring it up again. Mm -hmm. Can you use some words that they would understand? And I think I have this resistance to like, it's kind of a funny thing to say, but I don't really want to teach my kids like the the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you're like, okay, so in the flood, there were probably babies (laughs) floating in the water. A natural violence. Okay, so God gives his people this law, but if they or the animals touched the mountain, it would have been immediately... Engulfed by flames (laughs) or sucked into the earth. This is okay, but so, but basically, the nudge that says they need to know that I'm holy Mm -hmm. and that I'm other, and that before they can understand what they've been given, that like the significance of God's gentleness is because it is coming out of this context of otherness. Mm -hmm. And yet, when I think about are there times I've said no or gone the other direction, I'm like you, I don't experience it in, you know, like I haven't been burned up at the mountain. I've been gently nudged toward like, hey, have a conversation. You read stories of like people begging (laughs) God, please give me a baby. Yeah. Or please, well, men being tricked into marrying women. <laughs> yeah, like Leah. I oh, mean, yeah. one after another. Like, yeah. well, maybe this time my husband will love me. Yeah. Ah. And know? I think sometimes. And her sister, yeah. who's also married. And she's, I mean, married she's to the same husband. Babies. She is. Yeah. And like, can you imagine how vicious that would be between yeah. them and how much bitterness and yeah. hurt yeah. between two sisters that are married to the same man. Or shame in the community. Sh- oh my gosh. I mean, I watch Handmaid's Tales. <laughs> that show's really, ooh, <laughs> I seen, seen it twice. It. <laughs> I actually really like it. <laughs> I haven't but seen like it. these women, their identity is based on whether or not they can bear children. Right. 
I mean, it's really dark. Yeah. But it's really good. Yeah. And so these women want their handmaids to get impregnated by their husbands. And when it doesn't happen, they get so angry at the handmaids because if I don't have a child, what will people think of me? Mm. In the same way, Christians and weakness and rest, if I show that I doubt, then people will think that I have stepped away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when I do sin, I don't want anyone to know because God God won't love me. But it's like nothing can separate us from God's love, but we can hide in the bushes. Mm-hmm. We can't avoid. And he does nudge. He's like, hey, I still love you. Like, yeah. I don't even remember what you did. It's like a goldfish. <laughs> I don't remember what you did. I don't know why you're hiding uh-huh. from me. And we don't want to abuse that love, but... Mm-hmm. We just get so many things wrong where I'm afraid sometimes to let God know the desires of my heart because what if he doesn't give it to me? Yeah. So I'd rather not even let him know than be disappointed. You know, something as you were talking about New York and day-to-day life, I mean, do you find rest? What was that like for your season of illness Mm -hmm. when you were kind of forced to rest? Mm -hmm. And did that change something for you permanently that you experience differently now? I mean, I felt like I was so much more motivated and Mm -hmm. courageous because I was going to lose my life. And I felt like if God was going to take my life, then I might as well go to school. Yeah. Then I might as well go camping with friends. Yeah. Like, did it make you ask the question, what do I want to do? Like, what's... No, because I thought, well, I'll be in the arms of God soon (laughs) enough. So there is no... My desire for marriage and to be a mom one day kind of vanished because I didn't even see myself graduating from a four-year college. And now that I'm here, I'm like, I don't even know what meeting someone looks like. Or I feel like there are times where people have these assumptions of me that you don't need help. I don't even know how to ask for help Mm -hmm. sometimes. And I feel like I've been in survival mode for so long. And so then I go to New York City where it's like, if you don't work 60 hours a week or more, then you're going to get left behind Mm. the hustle and bustle. And having these epiphanies that to rest is to act in agreement that you have no control Mm. and that God is in control and the world will not stop spinning Mm. if you take a day off. Mm. But you see certain things happening in the world and I just want to lay in my bed and watch Netflix all day because... I don't know how I add to the body, to the go. Mm -hmm. I have a song. I mean, when I'm like, I have a song, it's not a plug. (laughs) But there is a song on my new record. My producers and I fight over the name of it. It's it's yet to be named. I mean, there is a name that I call it. What's your name? Don't call it. (laughs) So it's it's based on a poem that my friend sent me. It's called Legion of the Pure. And they're like, oh, we should call it brick by brick. I'm like, fine, legion of the bricks or brick by legion. Um, I'm so curious what the song is. But in the song, a friend sent me a video clip of a protest that was happening at the airport when the ban from people from different nations could come into the States. Mm. And in this clip, people are yelling, these are our streets. These are our streets. Cut to like a huge gap of time. And then the Charlottesville thing happens. And these people who believe the lie that they're better than or that someone's going to take their identity are 
declaring, they will not replace us. They will not replace us. But when you take the image away and you just have the voices, Mm -hmm. you don't know who are the good guys and the bad guys. And then enters Mother Earth. She is churning. There's an earthquake. There's a fire. I mean, it all happened so close together. There's Mm -hmm. an earthquake. There's a fire. There's a hurricane. There's tornadoes. Then there's violence. And we're fighting on a sinking ship and switching seats as we're going underwater. And it's like, we're so polarized that no one is listening. Mm -hmm. And we're all going into the ocean. Wake up. Mm -hmm. And so... I didn't have this epiphany until I listened to a rough of the instrumentation, but they still kept that part in there. These are our streets. These are our streets. But you don't know whose voice they belong to. You don't know if it's the people who are saying immigrants should be allowed to live here. And you don't know if it's the people who are saying, I don't want these people to replace us. I don't want my identity to be taken away from me. And I'm like, we've missed the point. That is not what humanity is about. It is about cultivating a oneness in our diversity. But we're so afraid. It's just like the Egyptians and the Hebrews. It's like, they're having so many babies. These people are going to take over and they're going to kill us all. What are you afraid of? Why are we so scared? Yeah. And I'm just like, I wrote these songs way before all of this stuff happened with my friend And I'm like, this is why I needed to say yes to this record. But I didn't know in the beginning and I was scared. And I was like, God, is it a sin if I don't want to do this? And I just want to save this money. And then that story of why do you want an extra barn of Mm -hmm. things when your life is required of you? And so I'm like, I guess I'll just crack open the piggy bank and make a record then (laughs) and write these songs and not know what they're for or who they're for. Maybe it's for me, maybe it's for us, but I think we're all supposed to be a oneness in our diversity, but somehow the enemy, which is the devil, has gotten in and whispered in our ears, that person is beneath you. You're better than them. Competition, those people are better than you. So don't even show up. Don't even try. You'll look like a fool. It's the same thing. It's been like this since the beginning with mm-hmm. Adam and Eve. Yeah. You'll be just like God, but you were made in his image. So you're already like God, male and female. Mm-hmm. You are one in God, mm-hmm. who's neither male nor female, but that's a representation of who he is, is yeah. both. And so my mind blows up and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> well, as you talk and share that, I just, I don't know if you do it, you just embody it. You know, when you walk out as a woman, you walk out and you open your mouth Mm -hmm. to sing. When you go from tears or from silence Mm -hmm. or from the woods, you you walk out and you participate Mm -hmm. in it and you practice it and even rest in the moments of doing what you're given to do right now. Mm -hmm. And somehow that particularly impacts the people that you invite to come and sing with you, and Mm -hmm. it impacts the people that hear you sing and. And the places that you get invited, it's Mm -hmm. inspiring and it kind of, it's heartening to me to realize that in my own story that I don't think we have to do anything. We just sort of step into it. We're just like, what are we doing today, God? Like, what is today? It's so uncomfortable. It is. It it is. And it's like, 
it should be harder than this, uh-huh. right? And somehow that is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's our tendency to move toward working and doing and all that is mm-hmm. so strong that when we realize we just walk out in the freedom of that and love. And yeah. and then it begins to change and show light into those places, into, you know, the club with the two doors and mm-hmm. you go in the one door and no matter what door people come in, they can experience the invitation of God. Mm-hmm. And no matter what's hanging in the window, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, oh man, this is kind of the grit of what it is yeah. to be who we are. I love hearing you talk and I just am excited for the new record, <laughs> whatever's next. And um, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just like, I guess we're going bit. this way, but it is, it's bizarre how uncomfortable mm-hmm. freedom feels. Because it just doesn't make sense in this world where I know that when I feel anxious and worried and afraid, it's a form of control. Mm-hmm. And then when I let that go, I feel like I'm just floating. Mm. I'm spreading my wings and I'm kind of knocking things over. Mm-hmm. But eventually I'll get used to that wingspan, but it's still like, i rather just keep them glued by my side. And God's like, no. Pull them yeah. out. That's how you're supposed to live. Yeah. And in one sense, either you will lose control by suffering mm-hmm. or you submit to it by mm-hmm. rest. Yeah. Both of which get you in this space of freedom. Yeah. And one is very stretching. One is very painful. Maybe both. And I don't know. I, it, it, it. There's a lot of mystery to that. And it's not like we can even control whether or not we do rest or suffering. Right. Kind of both in there. And it's like on this <laughs> earth as it is in heaven. Wait, Uh God, hold on. I have a question. Um, Are you saying that I can live (laughs) as though I'm in heaven right now? I don't really know what that means. How do I have a kingdom mind with a flesh body where the elements, Mm -hmm. like Peter walking on water, if waves are crashing in my face and I'm like, okay, just stay calm. Okay, what? it's going in my nose. Yeah. It's cold. It's flooding. It's windy. But I'm supposed to just be like, wave in the face. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm like, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) But what I love is that Peter is like, Jesus, if this is you, then command me. And I'm like, I don't know if I always pray like that. (laughs) He's pretty bold. I want to pray like that. God, if this is you, then give me new songs. Mm. If this is you, then please pay my rent. <laughs> yeah. When I sit down to pray mm-hmm. and it's like, I'm not going to study. I'm not going to do a bunch. I, I just want to ask the same question you're mm-hmm. asking. Like, if this is you, meet me mm-hmm. in 15 minutes of prayer. Yeah. And finding that he is willing and able to do that. Mm-hmm. Like he moves toward us. I keep thinking of this image of N.T. Wright talks about when we take communion, that it's like the past hurling toward us and it's also the future Mm -hmm. coming toward us like a train Mm -hmm. and that in the moment of saying like he is the bread and the wine and we receive that Mm -hmm. again it's a very embodied thing but as we take those elements uh, or receive those elements I should say it's like all of that converging and I think of that when you said the kingdom breaking in it's like he's coming toward us Mm -hmm. to meet us in the moment and that's good news (sighs) yeah now it's like, how do I practice that? There are times when I pray <laughs> and people are like, have you prayed about it? I'm like, okay, 
what does that look like? I Do I need candles? I, Should I burn incense? <laughs> yeah. Should I be like, God, come down here and meet thine child in your presence? I think that helps. I think the British accent <laughs> helps. I mean, it actually does. Invocation. Like, you should try that on Sunday next time you're leading. And the Lord came down amongst the people. Yeah. <laughs> so great. We have areas of giftedness, Mm -hmm. and then we have limitations. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that we could do it all Mm -hmm. is just a fiction. And for anybody who props that up, it's sort of Mm off-putting. But when somebody has the giftedness and the humility to say, I can't do it all, would Mm -hmm. you please come beside me? And it's not like, would you do it for me? It's like, come beside me, which is a different thing than when there's mutuality, it makes actual collaboration possible. Even leading worship at church where I work with people who were told, you're not a musician, you're not a singer, or no one ever noticed them singing and said, hey, you, put your mouth closer to the mic so I can hear your (laughs) harmonies, because I know you can do this. (laughs) Right. So I overcompensate because I know that I hid myself because people were like, oh, Liz, you're so intimidating. You walk with such like a regal presence. So I wanted to like hide and make myself small. Yeah. So when people are trying to hide, I'm like, I see you. (laughs) Call them out. Pick up that guitar. I know you have gifts. I know you probably sit in your bedroom and you play Continuum by John Mayer. You know that record (laughs) front and back. You are going to sing. I will make you sing. And when your voice gets weak, I will come under you and I will hold your voice and sing in unison. Mm. And then I'll break away and sing harmonies. And when you start to shake, I'll come back under. And... I think of that story in Exodus when Moses, when the Israelites are fighting against these people, I cannot pronounce their name. And he sits on a stone and his arms are so weak, but the only way they win this war is if he holds his his arms up. And so Aaron and this guy named Hur come on the sides (laughs) and they hold his arms up. And to me, that is the ingredients of community where when I feel like my faith is so weak, And I feel so insecure that people come alongside me and they're like, no, I believe this for you. And when I feel like I'm stronger in that area and I see other people who are like, I can't do this. I'm I'm not good enough for this. I'm like, nope, give me your hand. We're going to win this battle. Mm -hmm. And it's a constant like this. Lifting up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Arms up. And I talk about that from stage and I make people put their arms around each other and they do it. It's uh, like a recalling mm-hmm. how we're made and what this is for. You know, there's something you said a second ago. It reminded me of, so Richard Rohr talks about suffering as a, it, the definition of suffering is like when we experience a lack of control, like mm-hmm. there's something that we can't do. And I wonder if rest is a participation, mm-hmm. a willing participation in suffering, mm-hmm. in the sufferings of Christ that would say like, I am offering myself to mm-hmm. this purpose. I'm spending myself for it, which actually would mean withdrawing from control, withdrawing mm-hmm. from having to do it all. And participating yeah. in the rest, which has to be habitual. It has to be, I mean, I get that we needed that once a week. That was like Sabbath law, Mm -hmm. you know, because we need that reminder that even when I'm asleep or when I'm not doing something, his work is getting done. Mm -hmm. And yet that is 
hand in hand with the fact that I'm particularly called to step into it to make it go mm-hmm. in the ways that I'm able, as long yeah. as I have breath to do it. Because the truth is, you didn't die at 21. Mm-mm. And so as you reckon with your death, I think about like the Puritans, I think about the hymn writers, I think about even the way that liturgy is used as an agent of saying, if you can reckon with your death, it changes the course of how you spend your life. Mm -hmm. And I wonder about what's all there for you and how much that's shaped who you are. Yeah, It's not like, oh, the way you do your music, it's just Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe even accentuated by the fact that you like have done different things. Like you went to film school, you mm-hmm. thought it was gonna be this, and then it's shifting. And I think it's a good reminder for all of us, we don't necessarily have to think of ourselves one way. Like, mm-hmm. this is my job, this mm-hmm. is what I do, and this is all I know how to do. It's like, I'll sing if Show you let up, me do it. I guess. Yeah. Steadfast is a Harbor Media production. It was produced and edited by Mike Cosper and TJ Hester. It was mixed by Mark Owens. It was recorded by Stephen Goss at Invertigo Productions in Nashville, Tennessee. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. See you soon.